namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa buddhang dhammang sanghang sami So in the Sutta teaching the the naturalness or the Dhamma the Dhammic, the Dhammic quality of liberation the natural um, naturalness of it um, the how um, factors lead onward if they are held in accordance with the Dhamma in accordance with the law with the natural order of things um, and so um, and when they're not then the te- the, what, what occurs is this a spinning out into a um, world which seems to be about self which is a, much more like a self-oriented thing um, so instead of seeing things and the naturalness and the lawfulness and the the way it is we always see the tendency is to see things in terms of I am, I'm not I'm here, I'm there I've got this, I'm not like that I want this, I don't want that this is my opinion it's like this and that and the other so you get this tremendously kind of um, stressful and conflicted experience Um, dualisms, trialisms and multiplicities of things uh, this is a kind of the sangsara like this mm. it's about to recognize within um, the solution or the dhamma of, uh, of liberation arises within each of us personally so there's a there's a self view which is when we start to feel dissonant and then we can also relax into more like a, a place of dhamma a place of naturalness where that sense of pushing and striving and trying to make something or trying to get rid of something, trying to be somebody can can relax and stop. We're just with the way it is. So this is not to say that we don't exist as individuals, but that there's a there's if you like our our, our nat- the naturalness of our experience, and then there's a the ways that this experience gets interpreted and and. Uh, attached to and held as self held in the experience of self and other various so there's the way it turns into self when it turns into self then there's either the qualities of um, around negative experiences we can feel anger rage we can feel feelings of fear over the over the over the momentariness of experience the insecurity of it um, we feel anger over the way it doesn't go the way we want it to do. Um, we can feel greedy over when things are pleasant, or proud and conceited when things when we when we seem to be on a winning streak. So, you know, this means that the, the, the normal flow of of, of experience um, gets trans, translated into 
in terms of self-interest, and then these various hindrances and and uh, and difficulties and suffering comes up. So trying to find the way it really is, dumber things to see it actually as it is, so that there isn't that continual kind of seeing things through through tints and through taints and through distortions, just seeing things as they, as they really are. This is, if you like, the, the uh, way of Dhamma. And in terms of seeing things as they really are, then in this sutta it says, for, for one who is um, who has the sense of rapture, who has the sense of, which leads on to uh, tranquility of body, relaxed, Easeful body, the body is not tense or uptight or, or disordered. We, we feel settled in our physical state. Um, it gives rise to, naturally, it gives rise to a quality of ease. And when there is ease, it, it, one does not have to wish or um, set up the intention. May my mind be collected and composed. It is, it is in accordance with Dhamma. There's a naturalness to it that one's mind will be collected and composed, the samadhi. Uh, if one who is collected and composed, or is quality of samadhi, um, there's no need to set up the intention, may I see things as they actually are. It is in, there's a naturalness that one will see and know things as they actually are. To see and know things as they actually are. This is a... Uh, you know, perhaps for many of us, it's just it's just this is the aspiration. Just to actually see it really as it is, rather than the views, the opinions, the teachings, the ideas, the notions, the philosophies. But just personally to see it actually as it is, so that you know one can feel, however it is. Unless I know how it is, so then I can find out how to deal with it. But <laughs> I don't know how it is. Then you know we're living in just a realm of of continual shifting and changing values. So one who sees and knows it as it really things as they really are, your tabu tongue, how um, it has become this, thus the thus become your tabu tongue, um, janami and pasami, knowing and seeing. So this arises from a mind that's a state of collectedness and composure which comes from a quality of ease and comfort which comes from the sense of tranquility and relaxing, being uh, at peace with oneself. Tranquility is is expressed in this particular teaching as as, as a bodily sense and ease is a feeling which is a general universal sense. You know, it's not a particular physical sensation we're looking at, it's just the overall sense of feeling at ease, which we could say, well, my body feels quite healthy, I feel, yeah, it's, it's fine. Uh, emotionally, yeah, fine. I'm not upset about anything. Yeah, I feel pretty okay, at ease, like that. The general overall feeling sense 
And then from that, the quality of samadhi and naturalness to it, that one will easily enter into samadhi and see how things, things as they really are. So it's very important to recognize that, that kind of um, precursor to, to collectiveness and composure, the sense of being at ease. Ease, sukha, is a release from um, temporary or prolonged from the uh, suffering, dukkha, from the suffering that can come from worry, from pain, from doubt, from irritation, from craving, feeling dull and dopey. Being restlessness, restless and agitated, these kinds of things where one doesn't feel settled and at ease, one is fretful, cramped. So sukha is a good release from these, and uh, it's important to recognise that what what we're looking at, the sense of vimuti or release itself, is is something to 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 understand and to acknowledge. Right now, one is released from particular you know, particular problems or pains or worries or doubts or hatred or craving. Mm. Just being able to acknowledge the liberation from that or that not being there. So the sense of, of um, collect, composing oneself through feeling it is actually not just feeling good and then sort of spinning out on that which is where it goes wrong, one feels okay, but instead of collecting oneself upon that okayness, one, one's mind wanders off into something else. So one doesn't actually stay in, the, in acknowledging and working and contemplating the, the absence of particular hindrances or problems, difficulties. This is where uh, we can live in, in pretty good circumstances and not really take, take in all the advantage of that. So just for example, in a day noticing one is body is, is, has health in it. You know, it may not, every sensation is not a, you know, ring-ding rapture and bliss, but basically, you know, if you compare it to, say, how bad a body can feel when it's sick or breaking up, and then you have a body that a functioning body is actually has got a certain basic quality of well-being in it. It's a functioning unit where the organs and the blood and the, the things are working. Then there is some, even though there may be particular, you know, unpleasant impingements or particular sensations that that, that inflict themselves on that. The basic pattern of bodily life at that level is one of of okayness of well-being. terms of our our, uh, our emotional state you know when we are not preoccupied uh, we can actually consider yeah, emotionally when it's really it's okay there may be and there may be particular things that occur when a thought a thought comes in or a memory comes in you get certain resonances and ripples and disturbances but they occur on a, on a 
background of not feeling terrified, not feeling totally distraught or depressed. There's a background sense of okayness on which, which can carry some of these, um, you know, the disturbances of thought or particular memories and so forth. And that has the that that sense of of, of ease as a, as a as a background tone is something that that uh, has to be cultivated and developed. It's not something that's dependent. You can is dependent on a particular physical sensation, a particular point. It's it's an overall quality. And this is where I think it's yeah, it's good to. to review one's understanding of what samadhi or concentration is about. Because we tend to see it as something that occurs through focusing on a particular point, like a point in the body, or a, which may have the effect of stabilizing. But when you consider something like the scent, you know, samadhi arising from an overall sense of ease, there's got to be a reference. The mind has to be able to open, to establish an overall sense, an overall reference. So if the mind is actually held, it's just always trying to see something that's very small and one, and at a particular point, we may get the feeling of, of one-pointedness uh, or, or of effort towards that or focusing on a particular point. But unless the overall sense of ease occurs, one does not enter samadhi. And ease occurs through, uh, is, a, is an overall quality, an overall, a field experience. So when you practice anapanasati, it's arrived at through the, 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 the ability for the mind to um, be contemplating or with the breathing in and out through the whole body and mastering the energy of, of the body. So it's a whole body experience. It may, you may have entered that through, through a partic- one particular doorway, a particular point or a particular pathway or a particular track of sensations, but what gives rise to the sense of rapture and ease is the ability to, to expand and radiate and suffuse and come to a whole sense. And we get the whole feeling, whole sense of ease. And this is the, where, where we're starting to actually establish samadhi. Samadhi is a sphere. And it's, it's based upon release. Release from the grip of the hindrances. Um, another teaching the Buddha talked about there being five different spheres of release. The first, and he described five particular occasions when this might occur, this quality of, of collectedness and composure. He says, first of all, you may be with a teacher and listening to a talk. And because of listening to a talk, you're gladdened, you're aroused, you feel confident, your mind therefore feels at ease and composed. Or it may be that you're giving a talk. Or it may be that you are um, just remembering a particular teaching. Or it may be that you're reflecting on the teachings, just the overall meanings and turning over the meanings of the teachings. Or it may be that you're actually holding onto a particular object of meditation. So just noticing that those, of those five occasions, five spheres of release, um, which arrive in the same place, the same sense of composure and ease, four of those are just derived from mental consideration. And at that time, when one is at one with the 
particularly with, with an uplifting theme, one's mind is free from worry, free from regret, free from craving, free from doubt, and so forth. So the sense of being free from that, that is release. And then you compose and collect yourself upon that, that overall sense of feeling uplifted or contented or in tune. And that's where, that's where you, the samadhi will tend to deepen and strengthen and uh, become a very firm base for one to, to begin to see how things really are. We might take an example like walking meditation, which is good to bring up because it's not, it tends to not be discussed since we're in these teaching situations we're often sitting together rather than walking together. <laughs> it's good to to recollect, to remember it. And in walking meditation, you know, if you just see, well, sense of establishing being able to stand, stand upright. And if you're walking along just feeling no particular pressure, um, feeling um, clear within that, staying within just that sense of, now all you've got to do is just walk along, walk, back, walk along this path backwards and forwards and get a sense of energy in that, uh, balanced energy in that. And so collecting oneself upon just the feeling, the general overall tone of walking along with no particular hurry, uh, get anywhere, um, and contented with that. Um, then you might start to examine what, what actually is walking. Where, how does it happen? You get a little closer to it. You can build up upon that sense of, 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 of freedom from pressure, freedom from worry, freedom, freedom from regret. And um, you might start to say, well, actually, what is walking? And notice how it happens. There's a certain... Uh, Mental inclination. There's a there's a whole series of muscular shifts. Um, there's a drawing which occurs from the abdominal pelvic region, which is a, which is a kind of pulling, and there's a pushing from the feet. The two work together, and so you get you can actually acknowledge how your whole body attunes to walking. It's not something just your feet do. Whole body has to participate in it, otherwise you, you don't you fall over. Now, as you start as you start walking, you may notice how, say, there's a, the pulling from the abdominal pelvic region. You get a certain shifting of, of weight from one side of the body to the other to allow the one foot to lift. Your shoulders tend to flex. There's a slight twisting in the spine. The whole body is actually affected by walking. It's not just a foot thing. So if you begin to open and focus within the sphere of the body, what is, how do we know we're walking? What that, what's that about? And rather than come in with the idea, I've got to concentrate on this or concentrate on that, which means that one is starting not from a place of ease and uh, well-being, but already starting with a particular sense of I've got to do something and get somewhere. Make something. So if one's mind is under the influence of that kind of pressure, then we know we won't be able to see things as they actually are. We'll always be seeing things from a pressurized, preconceived position of what we should be doing. And um, 
you want to operate with that kind of bias, a dogmatic bias or a particular bias of some kind or another. We haven't seen actually what it is truly to be walking. Very often, it, for a meditator, the mind is under the influence of worry and doubt. Something it can be under the influence of many other things, of course. Uh, ex- extraneous to the meditation, but even within the sphere of directed activity of meditation, the directed activity of meditation can come from the sense of a worry: Am I doing this right? I've got to get going. I've got to make something out of this, or doubt: well, What should I be doing? Or or uh, aversion, aversion to oneself, self-disparagement. Mm-hmm. Need to find something, need to be something, need to shut something off. So these these influences, rather than just going to walking along, feeling okay because there's nothing particularly to do right now, to walk along and starting to study the sense of of competence in the body to walk. Um, the easefulness of walking, easefulness of having um, just resting in that, and bringing the mind back to that, giving the mind the the room and the license to study and explore that whole dimension of experience. What is walking? And we'll notice that if you, the sign, what seems to occur with samadhi as one collects oneself and composes oneself becomes more aware of a particular background sense of the presence of body upon which through which or upon which or in in reference to which particular sensations arise and pass you get particularly momentary sensations coming and going coming and going you've got a background sense of bodily presence uh, similarly with the mind, you get a background sense of awareness and then there are various mental things that occur, thoughts, uh, turbulences, moods, um, comings and goings, this, that and the other. So you've got specific momentary and temporary events occurring with reference to something more steady state and indefinable. In bodily terms, we tend to call it Presence and it has a certain um, substantiveness to it, has a body-like quality to it. It's not actually physical, but it's got the same sense of of being almost like an object, it's some kind of thing you can refer to. You know, it's there. It's, uh, it's a sense of being present. Uh, it's got that kind of reference to it. We could also use the word awareness when we look at it when we're using more a mental reference to it. One is aware of thought, one is aware of the absence of thought, aware of feeling happy or not happy. Um, there's, there's, an, there's a background or an overall universal sense of knowing or a universal quality of presence which, upon which these physical, mental, emotional effects um, occur. Rather like, um, uh, rather like the sea, which might have waves on top of it, and particular currents in its depths. I might liken that to that. So the waves, we could say, are the bodily effects, and the currents would be the mental effects. And yet, basically, there's the water. And you don't 
the, the wave, neither the waves nor the currents actually um, take away the water, but they can, you can get lost in them. You can, if you like, miss the wood for the trees, miss the, miss the water for the waves. And they have the effect, of course, of pulling one out, you know, these turbulences. So the feature of samadhi is, is, is its ability to actually hold attention into that field of presence or awareness. So when you're walking along, you know, coming to the, the, the mental state, emotional state of just feeling at ease, and you know, there'll be various turbulences kind of occurring with reference for that. Well, you know, but you could basically behind it when it's okay. Um, and then the physical state of feeling physically um, capable of walking. So it's not, it's all there, your body is there. And then recognizing upon the, that, those background states, the particular specific mental events that occur, physical events that occur, sensations that occur, thoughts that occur, moves that occur. And the fundamental practice of mindfulness being to acknowledge all those specific and local things as that which changes, comes and goes, and being able to stay connected to the underlying quality, presence or awareness. How do we know things change? Because uh, we have that present awareness that can if we were only the thoughts and the feelings, we wouldn't know they changed. You, there's got to be the, something that can register that, which is janami, pasami, knowing, seeing. Mm. Tyler used the expression puru, which means being the knowing, or the one who knows. And of course, you know, any particular linguistic convention can have its, you know, its benefits and it's one can also just um, make something more of it than it really is, in, really is intended. It's not supposed to be a self. Or no. <laughs> it's a, a reference to this sense of, of knowingness, the, the knowing and the seeing of things as they actually are. How we negotiate that passage um, in this particular session of teaching, it then it's actually what's pointed out in a way is by focusing on particularly uplifting themes or particularly uplifting contact, such as uh, reflections on Dhamma, that which inspires or gladdens. Um, one enters the state of ease and, if you like, one's meditation theme arises out of that because one is at ease, one settles, one begins to, from that settled place, focus on a particular object of meditation. It can also be the case that, uh, you know, 
the, the, the uplift or the state of mental uplift that arises from listening to a teaching or feeling inspired is quite fragile. It lasts, it's not very strong, it doesn't last very long and, and one has to actually keep working at just focusing on a physical object in order to bring around the sense of, of stability and ease. And for most people, there's going to be a, there's a continual coming and going between the two. You know, feeling in order to bring around the sense of, of stability and ease. And for most people, there's going to be a, there's a continual coming and going between the two. You know, feeling a bit inspired, focusing on a particular meditation object, getting rather tight with it, uh, not being able to stay with it, mind getting overwhelmed, oh dear, and then having to go back and think again and get back to a state of, of dispassion or reflectiveness or confidence or trust or forgiveness or whatever and then start again. So people keep kind of working backwards and forwards around those two areas, the bodily sense and the mental sense. Um, but just to recognise that when we talk about something like release, it really, you know, it's not like this is the complete liberation forever. It means that for just this period of time, it's five minutes of it. Or one finger snap. You know, the Buddha used terms like that. If for one finger snaps period of time, one has practiced metta, then one is worthy. You know. So we tend to think of these things in absolutes. You know, like complete release forever, or you know, hours of it, or whatever. But just think, there's a one finger snap of relief from the, the kind of howling and shrieking of one's brain. Um, <laughs> you know, this is release. <laughs> Just to say there is that element, that property is, is a present thing. Otherwise, we probably couldn't stand to live for very long. It's too much. And then, but then finding ways to negotiate into that, into that quality, that quality of temporary release, graduated release. And we could say, well, it's released in this far, you know. Feeling, Sort of okay with a bit of you know, moodiness. Sort of okay with a bit of a problem. Basically all right, but I don't, you know, don't feel so good here. I feel, you know, I feel a bit of physical discomfort, or I have a bit of remorse, or I'm rather worried about this, that, and the other. So for most people, it's a it's a mottled thing, and the tendency will for the mind will be to focus on the dukkha element and wind itself up trying to fix the dukkha or, or, or fret about the, the suffering rather than to, to consider and contemplate the relative degree of ease that there is. And there was the, the analogy or the, the story that's given is of the, the bhikkhu who has asked the Buddha if you'd go to this particular area of India and the Buddha said, well, you know, there's people down there, they're a bit rough, you know, what happens if, and he gave this list of things, he said, what happens if they, you know, if they, if they call you names or abuse you? And he said, well, I, th- I think it's, I think it's wonderful that they don't actually throw anything at me. 
you know. And so what if they do throw things at you? So well, I, I think it's it's wonderful. They don't actually stab you with a knife. And I said, well, what if they do stab you with a knife? And he said, well, I, I'll still think it's wonderful. They don't actually kill me. And he said, what if they do kill you? He said, well, I think I'll think it's great that they've, they've liberated me from this particular. <laughs> physical incarnation. So somebody could actually see the sukha in all things <laughs> is able to arrive at the, the sense of, of okayness <laughs> in all of it, you know. Behind the you know, the blame being blamed, being cursed, being uh, physically abused, being physical pain, death even. I mean the person was I think it was an arahant or at least a very highly attained being. But for most of us we can say, well, you know, I feel a bit off hard day at work, we can get tired but rather than just go into that and all the, why should it be this and no, I don't want like that, go into the sense of oh, but, you know, nobody's actually threatening me um, I have friends uh, um, and then maybe things like I have, I'm a generous person uh, or I, I have kindness and then again this ability to reflect upon one's sealer one sense of virtue is, is, and goodness of heart is very important. So we can get always coming back to referring to the sphere of release as a place of entering the place, the, the, the quality of ease, which should be our, our basic reference point for, for meditating. That is meditation as a as some sort of focused activity. If one's focused is always coming from a place of need, worry, I don't think I can do this, oh, it's going to go on for a long time, can I bear with it, am I doing it right, I've got to become this, I've got to get this sorted. And, you know, then, you know, if, you, if your directed attention is carrying that kind of uh, mood, it's not going to be a, a fun session, is it? It's not going to. Do you develop samadhi like that? Yeah. I think this way we really need to to open up the word samadhi, not be intimidated by it. Collected, composed, ability to abide and persist, to to feel there's a, a place, a sphere that one can stand in, rest in, walk in, sit in. And it, it persists. The quality of samadhi is, is its ability to to establish a persisting, a persisting sense of presence and awareness. And that is is one of its um, one of the things that comes out of that is one begins to recognise, hey, there is this. You know, bit, there's the sensations or the thoughts or whatever, but there's this. There's this sense of a persisting presence of awareness, which which registers all this stuff. And to to make that persisting sense of awareness, that presence, something that is more given more attention, focused on, empowered. Uh, enjoyed, explored, so that instead of continuing spinning out onto the sensations or the thought topics, we stay in that place. Then, when one is stabilized, 
one can see things as they really are. They're coming from a stable place. And what do, how, do, what's, how are things as they really are? You can look at this in a variety of ways. Um, on a fairly mundane level, probably, um, most of us probably, for example, thought that walking was something that was a matter of just the feet. We didn't realise that walking was a whole body experience. We hadn't seen it as it actually is. Something just as simple as that, to really fully see an experience actually as it is, rather than what our ideas tell us it is. We may think that breathing is something that just happens through your lungs and up and down your nose and your throat. Because looking at a biology textbook or whatever, there it is, breathing. That's it. Um, you see it, you experience it as it really is and you recognise that all kinds of things happen in breathing. There's sorts of muscular ripples and tissue tissues soften and certain pressures occur in, in the tissues of the body. Um, there are the, the quality of refreshment and, and uh, relaxation that occurs through breathing spreads through the whole tones of the body. You get a whole um, body toning effect from breathing. So you get a tremendous um, sense of energy changing with breathing in and breathing out. And once you've seen that, then it becomes very obvious. Of course. And that's the reason when you think that's why we breathe. We don't we breathe in order to get some energy going, and you know the body needs some energy. It needs to expel stale stuff, so you breathe out. So there's that kind of, and then breathing in, taking in fresh things, and the, the the air stimulates and refreshes the blood, and so forth. So you know that's what breathing is really about. But if you come from a purely an idea an idea of it, a limited idea of it. Then you probably we just think breathing is just happening up your nose. So you don't see it as it actually is. We see it from the from what we think, what we've been taught to expect it to be, or assume it to be. We don't know the body as it actually is. We don't know the living quality of body. We may have an idea of it as something that's basic, you know, like an anatomical thing. So you think, oh yeah, there's, there's tissues, blood, flesh, bones and so forth. Sometimes we don't even know that much. We just know we're, you know, six foot high and weigh 12 stone or something like that. Or just purely from the external experience of it, the external appearance of it. But to thoroughly know the body in and of itself, the living, here and now, sense of body, as a dynamic experience. This is as it really is. So just to, to fully know something as it is on that level is uh, a sign of samadhi. One also can know it as um, things they really are as they're there is the knowing and there is the known experiences that come and go. The, the change of things, the changeable nature of things. Um, the ownerlessness of things. 
the karma of things, that, that what occurs, what we're aware of, is an ongoing karmic process of thoughts, memories, sensations, feelings, energies and so forth, rather than a self who's doing it all, or who owns it all. So the second kind of quality of knowing is to know change, causality, karma. To know it in that, to know things in that in that sense, and this gives rise to a kind of quality of um, deepening um, equanimity. Now, when we don't know it that way, then what happens when there's a thought or a feeling or a sensation, or emotion? There's the hanging on to it. There's the trying to extend it or there's trying to get rid of it, or there's trying to suppress it, or there's worrying about it, or there's fascination with it, or whatever. There's always that kind of shimmering around things. And that is the self-seeking instinct. That's the instinct or the volition that seeks to make a self out of it, or out of its absence, or doing something with it. It's not dispassionate. So, this is you know, the basic uh, um, thing that we're dealing with in meditation is a thought comes up, it's not just seen as a thought, it's felt as, oh, and we're excited by it, disappointed by it, and so on. And so the, 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 what we're dealing often with meditation is just trying to see things that on that level as they really are, rather than from this biased state. And the result of that, if one does, if one is able to just abide in presence and awareness, is that gradually, though that all that reactivity begins to to fade out, and one sees things purely as thus. That's um, called the state of non, non, not making anything out of it. Atamayata. It's just this. So. There's different ways of, of how things are seen as they actually are. It's just this. So, sense of samadhi, and um, also another um, way which we may not, uh, have ideas about it is to think that samadhi is no, is no particular um, wisdom there, it's just some sort of you know, trance state. But um, Samadhi always in work of balancing mindfulness, discernment, clarity about what one's doing, uh, reference to, to to the mind state requires a tremendous amount of of mindfulness and and understanding to actually bring around that kind of balance. Mm. Like the ability to to find a place of ease, to refer to that, to um, begin to acknowledge and contemplate the occurrences, the events that occur within that, to know how to 
to steady oneself, what to focus on. And to, to, it brings around a, a tremendously supple kind of intelligence. Intelligence that's bedded into presence. It's not an abstract intelligence. It's intelligence like the intelligence of a tightrope walker, intelligence, intelligence of a tiger. You know, it's just really keen and with it and in tune. To the point in which um, samadhi is often seen as these different absorptions, states of absorption, which describe the, the, the strength of it or the firmness of it or the persisting quality of it, you know, its ability to sustain and hold in a particular um, level. But samadhi also has um, the factor of, of reviewing is an important factor of samadhi. It's the ability to reflect, to review, uh, and the simile here it's used is is just as if uh, one was standing and looking at looking down upon someone who was sitting. In other words, you know, one stays there, but one kind of steps up. You know, that's that's the simile that's used. So without going on to other things, one in a way reviews the particular state of presence or the state of affairs that one is in at any particular time in that, in that experience of meditation and that fifth factor of samadhi is the one that where insight really develops from that the knowing and the seeing so even if one samadhi is not, doesn't seem to be that particularly that strong or that, that powerful just to be able to, to develop from the sense of of feeling at ease and confident in that and then referring into that and then beginning to review what kind of sphere of release, what kind of state of presence is there and then contemplate it. And contemplate from that place the various thoughts, sensations, feelings, moods that arise and pass. And then one begins to really see and enjoy the practice and see the way things really are. Anyone? <coughs> 